All right, first thing, I'm not Charles Orr. He uh, called me last weekend, or actually, we sort of touched base, but we didn't actually get to talk until after we got back from uh, PTP. But he had a uh, prior engagement that he had forgotten about, and he couldn't get out of it. So you're stuck with me tonight, which you can take it for what it's worth. All right, tonight we're going to talk about the Sabbath. And it's not something that, that we as members of the Lord's Church that, that we think about a whole lot today. Uh, but yet there are religious groups uh, within uh, the quote-unquote Christendom uh, that um, still believe that Christians should keep the Sabbath. And, and they worship on Sabbath, uh, the Seventh-day Adventists uh, worship on Saturday. Um, there's another group, it used to be called Armstrongism, uh, but I'm not sure, is it the Church of, Church in God, or, what is it? Okay, thank you, Worldwide Church of God, and, and they practice that too. And I was trying to remember, I was, I was going to look it up before, do the Jehovah's Witnesses worship on Saturday? Yes. Okay, so uh, I wasn't sure about that, and I got busy talking to some. Uh, people and I forgot to check uh, to verify it. So we have some groups today that still think it's necessary to uh, worship uh, on Saturday, the seventh day of the week. But when we look at the Bible, when you turn back to Genesis chapter 2, um, there in, in verses, um, beginning in verse 1, uh, thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. And on the seventh day, uh, God ended his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day uh, from all his work, which he had done. And then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, uh, because in it he rested from all his works, which God had created and made. And the word rested there is the word from which uh, later on is going to be designated Sabbath. And it just means the the uh, rest, to cease, uh, to desist, to stop. And so uh, initially it seems like God's plan was that uh, he instituted this. And, and I personally think here that, that Moses, when it talks about God blessed it and sanctified it, here we have Moses writing uh, about the creation and everything approximately how many thousands of years later and God inspiring him. And, and that God, Moses is looking at this uh, with his eyes of the fact that God has told him now in Exodus chapter 20 uh, that they were to set the Sabbath apart as a special day uh, uh, sanctified to him. So Moses is sort of looking, he's telling about what happened before, but yet looking at it in the eyes of how he's looking at that time. But that's my personal opinion. So some definitions on the Sabbath. As I said, it, it just literally means to stop, to desist, to cease, to rest. Uh, the word Sabbath designates in the Bible the weekly seventh day of rest, which is a day of absten absten abstention excuse me, from secular work that follows each six-day working week. A day of complete rest is another definition. Uh, from secular work following six days of labor, uh, the Sabbath day was from Friday evening until Saturday evening in Jesus' time uh, when all ordinary work stopped. And the terms used mostly in the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament, 
But other than in those first five books, the book of Ezekiel is where it's used um, as most other than that. And Ezekiel in Ezekiel chapter 20 sort of explains what, what that Sabbath meant to uh, ancient Israel. And so we'll look at that passage in a, man, a minute. Uh, the first mention of the Sabbath in those terms is used in Exodus chapter 16. If you have your Bibles, you'll turn there. Exodus chapter 16, uh, verse 21 through 30. If someone wants to read that, I'd appreciate it. We're going to be looking at quite a few verses. Exodus chapter 16, verses 21 through 30. What did you read? Okay, I'm, I'm okay. I'm going to pick up in verse 21. I don't know. King James, you're King James, right? Yeah, okay. Uh, verse 21. So they gathered it every morning, every man according to his need, and when the sun became hot, it melted. And so it was on the sixth day that they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for each one. And all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses. And then he said to them, this is what the Lord has said. Tomorrow is a Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake today and boil what you will boil and lay up for yourselves all that remains to be kept until morning. So they laid it up till morning as Moses commanded and it did not stink nor were there any worms in it. Then Moses said, eat that today for today is the Sabbath to the Lord. Tomorrow, today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day the Sabbath there will be none. Now it happened, verse 27, now it happened that some of the people went out on the, Sabbath day, on the seventh day to gather, but they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, how long do you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, for the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, he gives you on six days bread for two days. Let every man remain in his place. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. And the house of Israel called its name manna. And it was like white coriander seed. And the taste of it was like wafers made from honey. So here's the first instance we see of that word Sabbath. And it's used in the connection with God sending manna. He tells Israel through Moses. You collect manna on six days. On six days, on Friday, you, connect, you collect double what you need. And because on the seventh day, there's not going to be any, and you make on the sixth day what you're going to need for the seventh day. And if you... Um, 
What? Whatever. I lost my thought. So anyway, you, what you ha eat, what you make on the fifth day, what you're going to need for the sixth day. Uh, because it was a day of rest. In other words, they were not to go out. They were not to pick it up. They went, wasn't going to be there. It was a day of rest. Uh, it's interesting that in the New English translation, and, and the reason I'm quoting this one is because I want you to read from their footnotes. I want to read to you from their footnotes, their translation notes. Uh, the New English translation says, This is what the Lord has said. Tomorrow is a time of cessation from work, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. And that's Exodus 16, verse 23. The noun rest, Sabbath, rest, uh, the root word means cease from something more than to rest. The law would make it clear they were to cease from their normal occupations and do no common work. So the fundamental reason of the Sabbath was to cease from your normal work. And then he goes on to say, the footnote, the translators say, the technical expression is now used a holy Sabbath. And what they said I thought was interesting. A holy Sabbath meaning a cessation of or for holiness for Yahweh or for Jehovah. In other words, the rest was to be characterized by holiness. And so here you have that, that if I'm understanding what these translators are saying, that this Sabbath was to be a rest. You stopped working, and in that rest, you were to present yourself and engage in that which was holy, a holiness unto or for Jehovah, which I thought was interesting. Um, keeping the uh, Sabbath holy was part of the law given through Moses. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 through 10, in the um, uh, Ten Commandments. Uh, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of, your Lord, of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. You, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. In other words, God said that on that seventh day, all work was to stop. There wasn't to be any type of work. Your servants weren't to work. You weren't supposed to work your animals. Uh, anything along that line. Um, hold on a second. I'm going to do some technical. Uh, okay, and then viol violators of the Sabbath uh, suffered death. Exodus, someone wants to read Exodus 31, other than Marvin. Exodus 31, 13 through 16. And if someone would read Numbers 15, 32 through 36. You lost your chance, buddy. <laughs> Okay, go ahead, sorry. Therefore the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations as a perpetual covenant. Okay, so God said no work on the Sabbath day, no work on the seventh day of the week. If you do, you're going to suffer death. 
Uh, look at Numbers 15, 32 through 36. Anybody there? All right, I'll read. Now the children of Israel were in the wilderness. They found a man gathering sticks on the Sabbath day. And those who found him gathering sticks brought him to Moses and Aaron to all the congregation. They put him under guard because it had not been explained what should be done to him. Then the Lord said to Moses, This man must surely be put to death. All the congregation shall stone him with stones outside the camp. So as the Lord commanded Moses, all the congregation brought him outside the camp and stoned him with stones and he died. You think God took that seriously? So here's a man that was working on the Sabbath and he was put to death for violating God's law. You know, sometimes, you know, sometimes we think that, you know, that, uh, that what God expects from us are suggestions. They're not suggestions. He expects us to keep his commandments. All right, um, God tells us why he gave Israel the Sabbath. In Deuteronomy chapter 5 and verse 12 through 15, notice what he says. He says, observe the Sabbath day to keep it totally, holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all the work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath of, your, of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your ox, nor your donkey, nor any of your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. Now notice 15. And remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord, God, the Lord your God brought you out from there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. What do we remember about the, the, the way it was for Israel about the time God sent Moses to bring them out of Egypt? What kind of persecution? In fact, if you look there in, in Exodus chapter um, 2, I believe it is. Actually, actually chapter 1, beginning in verse 8. Notice what it says, Exodus chapter 1, verse 8. Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. Why would, why would God include that? What did Joseph, Joseph done? What did... What had Joseph done for Egypt? Anybody here under 10? <laughs> they know the story. Pardon? Literally saved the country because he interpreted Pharaoh's dream. They were going to have seven years of plenty, seven years of lean. Joseph said, you know, store up the grain. So he literally saved the country. And so time has passed. And then Joseph came, and he was put in the position second only to Pharaoh. And so, but time passed, and there arose a Pharaoh that forgot about Joseph, or didn't know about Joseph. And he said to the people, Look, the people of the children of Israel are more than, and mightier than me. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. And it happened in the event of war that they also join our enemies and fight against us, and so go out of the land. Therefore they sent taskmasters over them to afflict them with their burdens. And they built for Pharaoh supply cities, Pithom and Ramses. 
But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew, and they were in dread of the children of Israel. So the, the Egyptians made the children of Israel serve with rigor, rigor. My marginal reading says harshness, serve with rigor. And they made their lives bitter with hard bondage and mortar and brick and all matter of service in the field. And all their service in which they made them serve was with rigor. And so here God institutes the Sabbath. On this seventh day, you're not going to work. And on that Sabbath day, you're going to remember, I brought you out of Egypt. I brought you out of a situation where it was constant, hard, harsh labor. And on this seventh day, you're going to remember what I did for you. Turn over to Ezekiel chapter 20 now. Ezekiel chapter 20. And notice beginning in verse 10. Here's God speaking through the prophet Ezekiel. Therefore I made them go out of the land of Egypt and brought them into the wilderness. And I gave them my statutes and showed them my judgments, which if a man does, he shall live by them. Moreover, I also gave them my Sabbaths to be a sign between them and me, that they might know that I am the Lord who sanctifies them, who sets them apart. Yet the house of Israel rebelled against me in the wilderness. They did not walk in my statutes. They despised my judgments, which if a man does, he shall live by them. And they greatly defiled my Sabbaths. Then I said I would pour out my fury on them in the wilderness to consume them. But I acted for my name's sake, that it should not be profaned before the Gentiles in whose sight I had brought them out. So I also raised my hand and an oath to them in the wilderness that I would not bring them into the land which I had given them, flowing with milk and hand, honey, the glory of all lands, because they despised my judgments and did not walk in my statutes, but profaned my Sabbaths. For their heart went after idols. Nevertheless, my eye spared them from destruction. I did not want to make an end of them in the wilderness, but I said to their children in the wilderness, do not walk in the statutes of your fathers, nor observe their judgments, and defile yourself with the idols. I am the Lord your God. Walk in my statutes, keep my judgments, and do, those, do them. Hallow my Sabbaths, and they shall be a sign between me and you, that you may know that I am the Lord your God. What did Israel do when they came out, while Moses was up in the mountain? Remember they threw all the gold in the fire and out jumped a, couple, a golden calf? Isn't that what Aaron told Moses? And so here God says, keep this Sabbath day. It's a day of rest. And in that day of rest, you remember that I brought you out of Egypt. It wasn't your idols. It wasn't you. It was me. And so you set this seventh day apart every week as a time to rest and to make yourself holy before the Lord. To think about what God has done for you. By the time of Ezekiel, one of the reasons they went into captivity is because when they started worshiping idols, they had forgot about what God had done for them. 
Testament, so they didn't keep the Sabbath. So Israel was stubborn in keeping the Sabbaths. In Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 19 through 7, Jeremiah says, Thus the Lord said to me, Go and stand in the gate of the children of the people, by which the kings of Judah come in, and by which they go out in all the gates of Jerusalem, and say to them, Hear the word of the Lord, you kings of Judah and all Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem to enter, who enter by these gates. Thus says the Lord, Take heed to yourselves and bear no burden on the Sabbath day, nor bring it in by the gates of Jerusalem, nor carry a burden out of your houses on the Sabbath day, nor do any work. But hallow the Sabbath day as I commanded your fathers. But they did not obey or, nor incline their ear, but made their necks stiff, that they may not bear nor receive instruction. And it shall be, if you heed me carefully, says the Lord, and bring no burden through the gates of this city on the Sabbath day, but hallow the Sabbath day to do no work in it, then shall the gates of this city... Then shall enter the gates of this city kings and princes sitting on the throne of David, riding in chariots and on horses. They and their princes, accompanied by the men of Judah and the inhabitants of the Jerusalem, and this city shall remain forever. And they shall come from the cities of Judah and from places around Jerusalem, from the land of Benjamin and from the lowland, and from the mountains and from the south, bringing burnt offerings and sacrifices, grain offerings and in incense bringing sacrifices of praise to the house of the Lord. But if you will not heed me to hallow the Sabbath day, such as not carrying a burden when entering the gates of Jerusalem on the Sabbath day, then I will kindle a fire in its gates and it shall devour the palaces of Jerusalem and it shall not be quenched. And of course, we know they didn't. And God did. He sent Babylon against Jerusalem and they destroyed the city, destroyed the temple. When Nehemiah went back years later and um, he built the wall after Ezra had been there and started building the temple and then Nehemiah was back, he, he instituted the Sabbaths again, but yet when he returned, I think it was about 13 years later, that had failed and he had to reinstitute this idea of Sabbath, that there could not be any work done. And then part of that was to remember what God had done for them. And you just think about it. When you and I forget what God has done for us, what's one of the first things we do? More specifically than sin. You don't get to answer any more questions. What's the first thing that people do when they forget what God's done for them? Start missing the assembly, don't they? Don't they? All of a sudden, they're not here on Sunday night, and then they're not here for Bible study. Then they're not here for Wednesday, and then pretty soon they're not here at all. We forget what God has done for us. In, next, in Leviticus chapter 25, it talks about, in addition to these weekly Sabbaths, there were these uh, seven-year Sabbaths. And if you want to turn there, Exodus chapter 25, Exodus, or Leviticus. Which one do you want to read? <laughs> okay, if you're going to be that way, we'll read Leviticus 25. What was it that president said? What you think I'm saying is not what I'm really saying. <laughs> okay, Leviticus chapter 25. Thank you very much. 
And the Lord spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai, Sit, speak to the children of Israel, when you come to the land which I give you, the land shall keep a Sabbath to the Lord. Six years you shall sow, sow your field, and six years you shall prune your vineyard and gather its fruit. But in the seventh year there shall be a Sabbath of solemn rest for the land, a Sabbath to the Lord. You shall neither sow your field nor prune your vineyard. What grows of its own accord, uh, uh, of its own accord of your harvest, you shall you shall not reap, nor gather the grapes of your intended vine, for it is the year of rest for the land, and the Sabbath produce of the land shall be food for you, for your male and female servants, for your hired man, for the stranger who dwells with with you, for your livestock and the beasts that are in your land, all its produce and, uh, shall be food. So on the seventh year. They were not to till the land, they were not to plant the land, they were not to harvest the land. And over in, beginning in verse 18 there of chapter 25, it tells us how they survived. So you shall observe my statutes and keep my judgments and perform them, and you will dwell in the land in safety. Then the land will yield its fruit, and you will eat your fill and dwell therein safely. Safe, dwell therein safely. And if you say... What shall we eat in the seventh year, since we shall not sow nor gather in its produce? Then I will command my blessing on you in the sixth year, and it will bring forth produce enough for three years. And you shall sow in the eighth year and eat old produce until the ninth year, until its produce comes in it, and you shall eat of the old harvest. So God said, don't you just the seventh year, you let the ground lie fallow, you don't sow, you don't till. You don't harvest anything, but in that year before that, I'm going to give you enough for the sixth year, the seventh year, the eighth year, so that when the harvest comes in the ninth year, then you'll have that. So, there was a seven-year seven Sabbath. By the time of Christ, the Sabbath had been perverted through rabbinical teachings. And we see that in Matthew chapter 5 through 7 in the Sermon of the Mount, if you'll turn there. And Jesus uses... Uh, an unusual phrase, you have heard it said, but I say unto you, and, and we see that more than often in verse 21, you have heard it said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. So it seems the rabbis were teaching, if you murdered someone, then you were going to be judged. But Jesus says, no, if we hate someone, or we despise someone, there's still going to be judgment. In other words, our attitude is just as important as our actions. Our intents are just as important as our actions. He says in verse 27, You have heard it said to those of old, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery in her heart. I was reading something on um, one of the Brotherhood articles, and he was talking about this. And he's saying, you know, if here's a person that's looking at someone of the opposite sex, and, and has that desire for that person, and the only thing that's keeping them from uh, fulfilling that desire is an opportunity, then Jesus said, you're as guilty as if you've already done it. In um, verse 33, again, you have heard that it's said of those, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your, uh, your oaths to the Lord. And it seems like at that time, the, the mode of operation is if you... If you swore by the steps in the temple, or if you swore by uh, something other than to swear by the Lord, then you had some wiggle room on whether or not you kept your oath. What does Jesus say? Let your yes be yes, your no, no. In other words, whatever you say you do, you do. 
And so we see by the time of the first century these, um, this, um, the, the teachings of the Sabbath have been perverted. And um, when we look at John chapter 5 and verses 1 through, well, let's look at, let's look at Mark, Matthew 12, 1 through 14. Well, we're going to get to Mark in a minute, but let's look at Matthew first. Okay, Matthew 12, 1 through 14. At that time, uh, are you going to be like Jim? <laughs> All right, at that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and his disciples were hungry and began to pluck uh, heads of grain and eat. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are uh, doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. Uh, but he said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry, and, and he, he, he and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and ate the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priest? Have you not read in the law that on the Sabbath the priest in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? Yet I say to you, in this place there is one greater than the temple. But if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord even of the harvest. And here what they were doing is condemning Jesus and his disciples, excuse me, condemning Jesus' disciples because they were hungry of, of picking some grain and eating it. And when we go over to Mark, we see what was going on there. Look at, turn over to Mark chapter 2 and verse 23 through 28. Mark 2, chapter 23 through 28. And I think this helps us to understand what God's intent was for the Sabbath. Mark 2, chapter 3, verse 28 through 28. Now it happened that he went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and as they went, his disciples began to pluck the heads of grain. And the Pharisees said to him, Look, why do they do what is not lawful on the Sabbath? But he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and hungry, and he those with him, how he went into the house of God in the days of Abiathar the high priest, and ate the showbread, which is not lawful to eat except for the priest, and also gave some to those who were with him? And he said to them, Sabbath was made for man, and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is also the Lord of the Sabbath. What Jesus was saying is God intended that Sabbath to be a time of rest, a time of reflection, a time to think about God. And the, fair, the, uh, the, um, the, rabbis, the, yeah, the rabbis at that time had made this so many just weird, impossible laws that the Sabbath became a burden. I've got a couple examples here. Say you had a, a bowl of, of peanuts and raisins, and you like the raisins, but you dislike the, uh, the peanuts. So if you remove the peanuts from the bowl, and you leave the raisins free of unwanted pe uh, peanuts, that would violate the Sabbath law of sorting and purification. So I got a bowl, it's got peanuts, it's got raisins. I don't like peanuts, so I picked the raisins out. I violated the Sabbath law. However, if I take the raisins and leave the peanuts, I've not violated the law. That's an easy one. Exactly. Here's another one. There's a fire in your house. 
If that fire's in your house and no lives are threatened, you can't put it out. But if, it's, if a life is threatened, then you can put it out. Because to put it out would be considered violating the Sabbath, violating the work. In Acts, we read that Paul used the synagogues when the Jews met on the Sabbath there for reading the scriptures and studying the scriptures. Paul used that time to teach the gospel. In the epistle to the Colossians, Paul seems to be exhorting the Colossians not to be intimidated by those who were trying to bind the law of Moses upon them. In, in Colossians chapter 2, verse 16 and 17, he says, So let no one judge you in food or drink and regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbath, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. In other words, in the New Testament, there were those that wanted to incorporate the law of Moses, and, and in that would be the keeping of the Sabbath with Christianity. Um, Heirs associated with the Sabbath today, uh, as we talked about, Sabbatarians believe that God's people must still worship on the seventh day of the week and that God designated this day from creation, Genesis chapter 2, verse 1 through 3. A couple problems with that when we read in, in, Genesis, in chapter, Genesis chapter 8 when Noah offered worship, a sacrifice to God in Genesis chapter 15. When Abraham was in a, made that covenant with God and offered that sacrifice. In Genesis 28, when, when uh, Jacob offered that sacrifice after he slept on the, the rock as he saw the angels ascending and descending from heaven, it doesn't say anything about that being the Sabbath. If that was the day that God wanted to worship and wanted those in the, from, from creation to worship, it would seem that he would have said, and on the Sabbath day, Noah did this. Abraham did this. Joan, or, um, Jacob said that. Clearly, the New Testament teaches that the early Christians assembled on the first day of the week. Acts 20, verse 7. 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2. 1 Corinthians 11, 17 through 20, where it talks about when they assembled. In 1 Corinthians 11, it wasn't possible, I think the American standard says, for them to take the Lord's Supper. I came across this argument. Slow down, Mr. Frank. <laughs> came across this argument by a Sabbatarian. The argument is used that the text says in Acts chapter 20, verse 7, the one of the Sabbaths is, is that the verse refers to the first weekly Sabbath in the seven Sabbath, seven week count to the paragraph, uh, Pentecost. So in Acts chapter 27, because Paul was heading back to Jerusalem for a feast, and, it's, and when it says on the first of the Sabbaths there, that it refers to these seven Sabbaths, which would lead to uh, the 50 days after the resurrection of Christ, 50 days after the um, Passover. Uh, however, I want you to look at a couple of verses with me. Uh, in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 1, Mark 16, verse 2, Luke 24 and verse 1, we'll look at Matthew chapter 28. Notice what it says. Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn. So that word, that phrase there, the first day of the week, is what those, the Sabbatarians are saying, is the uh, first weekly Sabbath. It's the same, same uh, words that are used in Acts chapter 20 and verse 7. 
And clearly in this context, it's referring to Sunday. Same thing in Matthew, or Mark, Luke 16, verses 1 and 2, Luke 24, verse 1. That it's clear by the context that that phrase refers to the first day of the week. So that's one of the years. The second is, and I don't hear too much about this uh, recently, but years ago, it was believed that Sunday was the Christian Sabbath. And thus, Christians must not work on Sunday. Um, years ago, in my wife's family, uh, she had a relative that believed you couldn't buy anything on Sunday. So if that relative came to her mom and dad's house, um, they, you know, she didn't want him to buy anything. And if Shirley's mom needed something for dinner, her dad would sneak out of the front of the house and go and buy it uh, so Shirley's mom could have it. Um, and so there are those that, I'm not sure, I haven't heard it recently, but teach that on Sunday, you can't do any work. You can't work, it's the Christian Sabbath. However, God clearly specifies that Christians are to worship him. John chapter 4, verse 23 and 24, God seeks those to worship him. They that worship him must worship in spirit and truth. While some aspects of worship can be done anytime, praying, studying, singing praises to him, even giving for the work of the Lord. We can do that anytime. When the church assembles on the first day of the week, it is the only time we have an example of the early Christians taking the Lord's Supper and taking a corporate worship. The New Testament doesn't make any prohibition against working on Sunday, but commands the Christian to worship on Sunday by the example of the early church and the fact that God expects us to worship. Since worship is a momentary thing, it's not something we do continuously. In Genesis chapter 22, when Abraham was taking Isaac on the mountain, remember God told him to take Isaac and to sacrifice him on the mountain. They left the next morning. When they got to the base of the mountain, in Genesis chapter 22, verse 5, Isaac says to the two young men that were traveled with them, stay here. My son and I go up on the mountain to worship. The whole time, Abraham was obeying God. From that point, they were going up to worship. Worship is a momentary thing. We intend to worship. We cannot accidentally worship. And since worship is momentary, once worship is completed, the Christian is free to use the day as he or she pleases, obviously, in a non-sinful practice. So... We don't have this uh, stipulation or this command from God that we are to set the first day of the week apart as the Sabbath as the Jews under the law of Moses were required to keep the Sabbath holy as a day of secession from uh, work. Questions or comments? If you want the notes, I'll shoot them to you. Uh, so, appreciate your attention.